So I'm sure that you've heard about the growing contingent of people in our country who identify as spiritual but not religious. And I had too, I was surprised to learn this week though that it's among one of the, one of the more quickly growing groups of uh, spiritual groups in, in, uh, in our country. And not only that, um, but it's become popular in places you wouldn't necessarily expect. I was reading articles this week about people who enjoy meditating for the sake of meditating and just being able to breathe and concentrate on your breath and, and realizing the physiological benefits of being still. And a lot of these people who practice, in fact, they're, they're looking at integrating these practices into schools nowadays to help kids uh, learn coping skills for when they're stressed or when they're uh, just feeling sad or lonely or whatever it is, bullied, um, just to have a, a tool in their disposal to be able to calm themselves down. And there's scientific studies about how spending just even as little as 12 minutes in silence changes the wiring of your brain so that your brain functions differently. And uh, I was talking to a friend of mine actually about this, uh, who is a, he's a, a good friend of mine from college. He lives in California, he's a software developer. And um, he was telling me the reason that he is into meditating now is because he's noticed that when he spends time in the morning meditating, later in the day, he's able to handle the stuff that comes at him with a little more patience and a little more grace. And I thought that was so interesting because it echoed what I had heard from the monks at the monastery when I'd gone on spiritual retreat at Mepkin Abbey. They told me the same thing about centering prayer. It wasn't necessarily during the time of prayer itself that they noticed the most benefits, but they noticed it later in the day in their ability to, uh, to cope with what was happening around them and how to respond uh, to people with kindness and gracious and patience and love. I just thought it was so interesting that this group of people who would identify, self-identify as, uh, as spiritual but not religious are putting stock in a practice that's really ancient, first of all, um, but also has a lot of uh, connotations and a lot of, uh, connotations sometimes is a bad word, uh, associations with um, centuries-old Christian practices of prayer. And so if people who are not necessarily associated with the church aren't particularly interested in Jesus but are looking to grow spiritually, how much more should we be doing the same thing? And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. What does it look like to grow spiritually? And so just as a reminder of how we are framing all of these discussions in this series about our next steps in discipleship, um, I encourage you to read with me our vision statement for the church. At Boone United Methodist, we are becoming deeply transformed disciples who live for the transformation of hearts, the church, our community, and the world. And so these last several weeks, we have explored together what it looks like to be on a discipleship journey, realizing that it is a process and it takes time. It's not something that you, you take a class and all of a sudden, boom, you're a disciple. No, it's an ongoing, lifelong process of becoming transformed and living into that transformation. In the last two weeks, we talked about what it looks like to take next steps in that discipleship path, next steps toward connecting with one another. Next steps, last week we looked at next steps towards serving one of, there's so many opportunities to serve. I, it's one of my favorite things about meeting people in our community. And when I tell them I'm a pastor, after they get over the initial like, oh, oh okay. Um, the, the next thing they say is where, of course. And I tell them and they're like, oh yeah, that's the church that, they'll say one or two things. They'll say that's the church that's really involved in X, Y, or Z project in the community. Or they'll say that's the church where, the, where you do the bazaar, right? Those are good things to be known for, uh, for our service in the community. Um, and so if you, hadn't, if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to take one of the handouts on the back table or go back and listen on the app um, to Lori Best's message about serving and find a way to get plugged in in that way. Take a next step in that direction. 
Today we're going to talk about what it looks like to grow spiritually and to take just one step in that direction. We're going to do so uh, with two different vignettes from Scripture, um, the first of which is from Luke chapter 10. It may be a familiar one to you, um, the story of Mary and Martha and Jesus uh, having dinner together. Hear this word from Luke chapter 10. While Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. So Martha came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part. It won't be taken away from her. Friends, this is the word of God for all God's people. Thanks be to God. So Jesus and his disciples were traveling. We're just going to jump right in here. And Martha invited them over for a meal. And verse 40, it says that Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. I'm sure you've been there before, right? Um, it, but here's one thing that's interesting about this passage, a couple of things. It, it is countercultural for Martha to have welcomed Jesus into her home as a guest because women in those days just didn't invite men over for meals in their homes. It just didn't happen. But she did, and Jesus accepted. And it's just another example, another instance of where Jesus often interacted with women in ways that were countercultural and empowering. It says that Martha was preoccupied. And again, I, can you blame her? If you've ever had anyone over to your house for any reason whatsoever, you know what that's like, right? Getting everything in order, getting everything ready, making sure everything looks nice, uh, pretending like it looks like that all the time, right? These are all the things that we do when we get ready to receive a guest. But beyond that, uh, of course, she's getting things ready. She is the host. And hospitality was a huge deal in Jesus' day. And in that culture, it was even written into Judaic law how to be hospitable to travelers and guests. You were to receive them as if you were greeting angels or visitors from God. So of course Martha was preoccupied with getting everything right. Of course she should go all out. Of course she should be as hospitable as possible to Jesus. Martha was only doing what was necessary to be a good host. I mean, someone's got to get things done, right? Uh, can I get an amen from all the Marthas in the house? Amen. amen. Guys can be Marthas too. I heard mostly women, but I know that's... Never mind. Keep going. Martha... <laughs> Martha was doing something necessary, but apparently not the most necessary thing. It says that Mary, by contrast, sat at the Lord's feet and listened. You need to know that this was also countercultural. Jesus was traveling with his disciples and it would have been customary for them in those days to have the women prepare the meal in the kitchen while the men stayed in another room and, and Jesus, was Jesus would teach them. It would, it would be expected uh, for Mary to be helping her sister Martha, not out with Jesus. But instead, Mary took the position of a learner she sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. 
Now, sitting at the feet of a rabbi meant that you wanted to learn what that rabbi was teaching, of course, but it also meant that you wanted to follow that rabbi and maybe even, if you were allowed to, become a rabbi yourself. And women just didn't do that. But Mary did. And Jesus didn't protest. In fact, he empowered and encouraged her to be at his feet and to listen. Martha had a little different response to Jesus, didn't she? She said, tell her to help me. What is going on? And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen better. Jesus reminds them that the most important thing is not food. When Jesus had been fasting 40 days and was tempted by the devil uh, to turn stones into bread, Jesus paraphrased Deuteronomy 8 and said, People cannot live by bread alone, but by every word spoken by God. And now here we are in Martha's house. The word of God made flesh says only one thing is necessary. And Mary sat with Jesus and listened to every word spoken by God. I wonder when you're reading scripture, is there ever a time when you come across a line that just like jumps out, like jumps right off the page and just hits you? Uh, I confess that that line in this story for me was Jesus saying to Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. Ouch. Maybe you can relate to that as well. We live in a world of constant distraction with innumerable sources for worry and never-ending important tasks to be accomplished. How many times a day does your phone interrupt you? Or breaking news capture your attention? Or a friend or a coworker or a family member or a neighbor disrupt your routine? When we're worried and distracted by so many things, how in the world do we find time to focus on the one necessary thing that Jesus calls us to? How can we spend time listening to Jesus in a world where so many tasks demand our attention? How do we grow spiritually in that kind of climate? Let's take a look at a second scripture this morning that might give us some suggestions. This is from Acts chapter 2, also probably a, perhaps a familiar passage. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to those who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. Friends, this too is the word of God for all God's people. Thanks be to God. So one of the first things to notice about the believers in the early church is that they had found a rhythm. 
They found a way of doing life together that encouraged them to grow in discipleship. They found a practice that they could devote themselves to in order to combat the natural tendency to be worried and distracted by many things. Instead, they gathered regularly to worship and eat and pray. Worship, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They met in the temple daily. Y'all, we only meet once a week in the temple for worship. They met every day. And in order to grow spiritually, at a minimum, you have to be a part of regular corporate worship like this. I'm so glad that you are here in worship this morning. I know that it's not always easy to get here. There's always something that comes up, right? Um, But you're here, and I'm glad for it. There are a thousand things you could have easily been preoccupied with, 10,000 reasons to be distracted and to not come to worship, but here you are. A couple of those reasons might even be, like, valid. But here you are. And here's the thing. God doesn't need you to be in worship. God doesn't. God doesn't need you to be in worship. Scripture says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. In Psalm 50, verse 12, God says, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. I love that verse. God doesn't need anything. Jesus doesn't need you to be in worship. But the body of Christ, the church, does need you to be here. We are better together. Our worship songs and prayers rise more fully and beautifully when we're together. We more easily share one another's burdens and more joyfully celebrate one another's blessings when we're together. Our communion table more accurately represents God's kingdom banquet when we're together. It is simply not the same when you're not here. And so I am glad that you are here this morning. You can't grow spiritually without meeting regularly with the body of Christ. And God meets us in corporate worship. You sensed it today already, haven't you? God's spirit is here and moving and active and doing things in our midst, drawing us toward faithfulness and love and patience and grace and mercy. And every time we gather, we grow spiritually because of that. Through our songs and through our prayers and through the proclamation of the gospel and sharing the sacraments and our fellowship together. But here's the other thing. Our spiritual growth can't be confined to just Sunday mornings for an hour, maybe an hour and 15 minutes. Again, the early believers met daily in the temple for worship and prayer. And then they gathered in their homes to eat together, nurturing their faith in the process. My voice has got a little something on it today, too. So, but it's okay. I told Gudrun she's in charge if I go down. So she's ready to come back up. (laughs) She said, don't you dare. (laughs) Most of us aren't available to gather daily for corporate worship and prayer and meals. But there are ways that we can continue to nurture our faith individually and corporately. 
uh, as we've talked about this whole sermon series. And so uh, the Discipleship Task Force has been working hard to provide concrete next steps in discipleship. And so I want to briefly highlight a couple next steps for growing spiritually. Let's um, take a look at the, the green insert that you have in your bulletin. There's a couple of pages that are green in your bulletin. And I want to just highlight a couple of things in there. This, first of all, it has all of the stuff that we've talked about thus far in the series. And so this is a good summary of what um, the Discipleship Task Force has put together for us to, um, to be growing in discipleship together. But the second page, uh, it's actually page three, talks about growing spiritually. And some of these ways you will already be familiar with, like Explore Boone UMC, that's our class for people who are new to the church or who are interested in exploring what it might be like to be more involved. Um, we're actually just in the second week of that class right now. So if you want to join us for that, I'd love for you to do that. We'll meet in room 125, which is at the far, far end of the education wing. You go out to the left and then go all the way to the right. Um, we're going to meet in there and take a tour of the church and show you around our facility today. So that's one way to grow spiritually. Sunday school is another. I know a number of you are involved in Sunday school classes and have been um, for years, some of you for decades, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful way to grow together. Um, I'm going to come back to uh, number three, small groups. Um, Bible studies are another way. We have Bible studies all the time. See the bulletin for information about new ones that are starting up soon. Um, those are generally short-term things. Um, and then we have community groups, which is a deeper level of commitment. That's kind of what traditionally you might hear people call small groups. Uh, we have a little bit, defini- little bit different definition for what a small group is, but a community group is a group that meets together for a year and a half to two years, and they go deep, and they share life together, and they pray together, and they meet weekly, um, and have a commitment to, to growing together, devoting themselves to those practices. And I hope that you can be a part of one of those. Um, but I want to come back to number three. Uh, small groups, we're kind of redefining what small, the, the difference between small group and community group. A small group is any group of people that meet at the church for any reason. And so that can be uh, committees, it can be ministry teams, it can be the choir, it can be the worship team. Anybody who gets together at the church on a regular basis is considered a small group. And in those groups, um, using our church app as a guide, we're going to have some, some prompts uh, on, the, on the app that are available um, very soon. We want to incorporate in those groups some form of spiritual formation every time those groups get together. Some way to grow spiritually every time you meet. So whether you're meeting for a finance meeting or whether you're meeting to plan vacation Bible school, we're going to have some component of spiritual growth involved in that meeting. And so you can see the examples here. We're going to meet and, and we're going to pray together. We're going to read scripture. We're going to reflect um, on our vision and our, and our measures um, from our vision statement. So uh, what did I do in response to God's leading this week? What, uh, how did I apply scripture to a decision I made this week? How have I connected with my faith community beyond Sundays? Uh, those are all measures that we're going to share with one another um, and reflect on with each other as we meet um, in order to keep ourselves accountable to growing spiritually. We'll have prayer partners if our group is big enough to facilitate that. Otherwise, we'll spend time praying together. Uh, we'll serve together once uh, as a group in the, for something inside the church walls and once as a group outside the church walls every year. Uh, and finally, we'll encourage one another to take next steps. And so that's something that you're going to see implemented here in the, in the days and weeks and months to come. That's going to be uh, tangible ways that you can grow spiritually no matter how you are connected and involved uh, here at Boone United Methodist Church. I am super excited for this. And again, you'll, you'll see more details about it. Um, in fact, we're having a leadership planning retreat. Uh, ask your prayers for that. That's this Saturday um, for all committee chairs and church leaders to gather and talk a little bit more in detail about what this process looks like. But we're really excited for it and super grateful uh, to the Discipleship task, task Force and everybody who is involved in, in coming up with these guidelines for growing spiritually. And so what happens 
exactly when we grow spiritually? What, what is the fruit of spiritual growth? What does it look like? What can we reasonably expect or unreasonably expect God to do in our lives and in our community as we grow together? Well, Let's read what happened in Acts 2. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to shared meals, and to their prayers. And here's what happened. Verse 43. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many signs and wonders through the apostles. Friends, when was the last time you were truly in awe of something God was doing in or through you or around you? When's the last time you saw God move in signs and wonders in our midst? Now, I know some of you see it regularly and we hear about it. We hear stories and mission moments and testimonies and in, in Sunday school and in small groups. And we celebrate those ways that God is moving. God is good indeed. But I also know that for some of you, and perhaps many of you, um, it's been a while since you've truly been in awe of God working in your life. And it's not that you don't want to be in awe of that or, or that you don't want to see signs of God's activity, but it's probably more like we've just become a little bit like Martha, right? We've become preoccupied with worries and distractions. And it is so easy to fall into that pattern. The pattern of, of worrying about what needs to get done rather than taking time to listen and notice what God is getting done around you. During my sabbatical this summer, I had several moments where I was able to just sit and listen and be with Jesus. And they were such spiritually rich moments and, and, and they were such a gift. Thank you for that time. I felt enveloped by God's presence and filled with awe. And there were moments of deep spiritual growth and renewal. And then I came back to work. <laughs> and how quickly I regressed into my old habits of worrying and doing rather than sitting and listening. So of course my first thought was, man, I need to go back on sabbatical quickly. <laughs> but of course I realized sabbatical is not real life, right? It's, it's a temporary Sabbath meant to renew and refresh and then get back to the real work that God calls us to. And so it's, uh, real life is nonstop, right? It's busy and it's, messing and it's messy and it's distracting and it's chaotic and it's fraught with so many things to worry about. And unless we make time to be with Jesus, it is impossible to grow spiritually. Unless we make time to be with Jesus, it is impossible to grow spiritually. And if we're not growing, it's nearly impossible to experience that holy sense of awe. If we're not growing, it's so much harder to see the signs and wonders that God is working all around us. It took me a while to get back into a healthy rhythm of intentional spiritual growth. And in fact, I'm, I'm still working on it. Um, it's a process, right? And there's always room to grow more and more and closer and closer to Jesus. 
But I didn't make much process or much progress rather on my own, I have to confess. I needed the support and the prayers and encouragement from close Christian brothers and sisters. And especially from my wife, Carrie. Um, she is amazing, and I wouldn't be half the pastor that I am uh, without her. Um, and so if you appreciate my ministry at all, thank her uh, for that. Um, she constantly challenges me and encourages me to listen to God and to obey what, what God says to do. So thank you. True spiritual growth only happens in that context. It only happens in community. We need one another to remind us to come to worship, to pray together, to share meals together, and to point out God's goodness. We need one another to remind us what it takes to follow Jesus, to love and serve and grow more and more like him. We need one another to encourage us to take a next step, to be in rhythm with the way of Jesus. And the beautiful thing is, like I said, there's always more room to grow. There's always more of everything good in Jesus. Verse 47. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. And the Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. Friends, God is still adding daily to the community those who are being saved. And don't you believe that God wants to do more of that here? Don't you believe that God wants more of that here through Boone United Methodist, through you and me? Don't you want to praise God and demonstrate God's goodness to everyone? What if God is just waiting for us to get in rhythm? To put aside our distractions and our worries and to get serious about growing spiritually. What if God is waiting for us to sit and listen to Jesus long enough to hear how he's already at work so that we can get busy joining him in it? What will it take for you to take one next step toward that rhythm of growing spiritually? I encourage you to take this green sheet home and pray over it this week. Listen for where God might have you take one step toward growing spiritually. Even if you're already involved in some of the, the steps, the next steps that are listed on there, um, there's always room for more goodness in God. So pray and listen to how God might be calling you to be even more present to the steps you're taking. To invest more intentionally in growing. To devote more time to sitting at Jesus' feet and listening, just being in God's presence. Or as a friend of mine likes to say, wasting time with God. Friends, may you waste time with God this week in order that you might be able to discern where best to join God's work in the world with other Christ followers. And may you be awed by God once more as you grow in faithfulness and love. Amen.